and welcome to another episode of the Toad on Games podcast. I said I would do this every two weeks, but I haven't done it since November. But shut up, you're not my dad. I am my own dad. I It was oh a boy. weird birthing process. <laughs> With us today, we have Thomas Snoppers. Hello. He has worked on indie games before, and that was a toy maker. And as soon as Nintendo Labo was announced, I was like tweeting you. I was like, dude... Yeah. Dude, this is so your thing. And it seems that lots of other people were doing that. <laughs> yeah, it felt very flattering. Yeah, it's nice to be thought of, isn't it? Yeah. A week ago or so, I read an, read an article uh, about the, the creator of XCOM, and he described what happened, like his feeling emotionally when um, the Rabbits was announced, Yeah, which is like um, a really fresh take on XCOM. And um, I can kind of picture how he feels now. I can just I, I really relate to the article. It was it was kinda of overwhelming because it was just before bedtime. I was just I was just about to sleep. Everybody was saying like, This is for you, this is you, hey Thomas and I, at first it's like, Wow, thank you for thinking about me and that that's still the, the you know, the the long lasting uh sentiment. But the other one was like, Well, I've been shouting about cardboard toys for four years now and now this gigantic company uh, is rightfully doing amazing stuff with it and uh, I'm excited I'm really excited yeah I figured you would be yeah <laughs> I mean there's two there's two parts of me one of them is jealous and the other one is just amazingly intrigued and excited about this and uh, that one is, is definitely the one I was going to talk today mm. so to add some context to listeners, um, basically you have worked on games like Pinarium. I've only yeah. just realised I don't know how to say that. Pinarium, Pinarium. So it's a wordplay and a Dutch word, and it doesn't really translate well internationally or into English. But <laughs> the word Pinari is a word in the Dutch language that means like being in trouble, and the em is like a circusy kind of twist to that word so it's like being in trouble Ian. so yeah i literally never knew that yeah it's quite a neat little game i really enjoyed it because i, I bought this it was the first digital game i bought on my ps4 actually when i got my ps4 oh I got, wow. my, I got my ps4 a few years late um, it was the first digital game so i was just scrolling through it was really cheap it looked decent i was like yeah. sweet and um obviously you were the artist on it but I, it was the art that sold me like i was looking through screenshots and i was like neat that looks neat it was Thank a couple you. of quid, so i bought it downloaded it Thank you. And yeah. yeah, it is a neat little game. It is just like an arcade style, uh, like arena game where you're jumping around, uh, avoiding loads of different uh, death obstacles um, and collecting barrels and stuff. It's really good. Go check it out if you haven't already. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I was playing that before I know you because I've known you on Twitter for a couple of years now. Um, yeah. And then maybe that was how we met, actually. Maybe I was tweeting about it or something. God knows, no, I don't remember. It was toys around E3. Right. Definitely right. toys. Again, just for context for listeners, you went on from working on indie games to making toys. Yeah. More specifically, making toys with cardboard. Yes. So it's just, you know, <laughs> I I just immediately thought of you with this Nintendo Labo thing. Because it's just, it is a video game. You've worked on video games. Yeah. It is cardboard toys. I was just like, this is so you. <laughs> yeah. And uh, um, so the, the thing I'm at right now is my toys, they are inspired on uh, the video game look. So like there's a lot of inspiration from, from 80s and 90s toys as well. But there's mm. also like a really pixelated, low poly-ish uh, texture to them. So yeah. they're not really intricately built, but they're intricately textured. Ideally, it would be 
you know, perfectly between video games and uh, paper toys. So, mm-hmm. well, I mean, I have one at home. I bought one from you. I got the uh, which is the one I have? The Thundermore? Is it yes. Thundermore? Yes, yes, I have Thundermore. Yeah, yeah, and thank God it wasn't too difficult to build because I'm actually not very good at. I like papercraft stuff, and I like like plastic model kits and yeah. stuff, and they're really interesting. But I'm yeah. just not good at making things. I've never been a Lego boy. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm just not good at making things for some reason. Um, but yeah, I made it without a hitch. Well, I'm very, I'm very happy to hear that. And, and <laughs> you know, this the thing you described, like I like this stuff, but I do not really feel confident to buy it or to build it. That yeah. so far has been my biggest hurdle, you know, uh, as a seller. Because a lot of people, and I think Nintendo is fixing this, but a lot of people, they don't really feel confident enough to assemble stuff. So, mm. like a few people reviewed it and I had to really convince them, like, you can actually do this. No, you can make this. Even you can make this. And they were like, no, I have chubby fingers. Or, oh, I glue my hand stuck to my other hand if I do this. And there's even a kit without paper just for that. Because I myself... I, I really like assembling stuff, but it does take a lot of time. And mm. um, and I really do not like cutting. So there's one set that doesn't even use a knife or scissor. It's all pre-cut, so you can just fold it together. And, yeah. and I think, you know, that hurdle of not being able to, not feeling able to design something is something that Nintendo has done really well with solving because there's a short moment in the trailer where you see the assembly menu and this is my favorite part about the labo stuff so far you see uh, the screen of a nintendo switch and it just kind of plays a video how the how the kit assembles and it is really beautiful done you can look at it from all directions and you can press play so you can see that you know flap falls into another object and it mm. it's just amazing and there's i don't think there's a lot of people would look at that and say I can't do that. Everybody will be able to do that, or a lot of people would. Yeah, it seems like they've gone about it the right way. Yeah. The, the thing I like about that as well is one of the immediate discussions people was having after Nintendo Labo was announced. Yeah. I assume everyone listening knows what Nintendo Labo is, but just in case you don't, it's basically you buy a pack, a, a Nintendo Labo pack that comes with a, a game cartridge, but to play that game, you need to build cardboard peripherals and they supply you with the materials in the pack and you need to sit and assemble them. Um, and we'll talk more about specifically what they are later, probably. But, yeah. but that's what it is. Um, and one of the topics that came up first, people were saying, well, that's going to get pirated. Like, someone's going to upload the template online. And my thought is, yes. But I don't think that's quite as big a problem as people were making out because I don't think people really want to be getting cardboard, <laughs> printing the template onto it. Like, it... Do you know what I mean? Like, there's no serrated edges on just buying a plain bit of cardboard. Yeah. Well, and apparently it takes about two hours to build some of those things anyway. Yeah. Imagine doing that with just a piece of cardboard that you buy on your... Like, I don't I don't think it's as big a problem as people were making out. Like, good luck to anyone that can just get a plain piece of cardboard and make the peripherals on their own. But I, I think it's more complicated than that. They look quite... You know, they don't look difficult to make because... They send you specific parts and give you instructions and the serrated and whatnot. But um, they look like quite quite complicated little structures for what they are. Really intricate. I think complicated is a scary word. And intricate sounds more like loving and positive. Yes. Um, one other thing is that usually when you design papercraft, you don't always take in concern the, the, the canvas, but you also consider the thickness of the canvas. So... 
um, a lot of these constructions, the way they are folded and like kind of neatly just about connect to each other and like intersect, it's all connected to how thick this paper is, how thick this material is. So you not only would you have to get the blueprints right and copy that, you also have to get the paper thickness right and arguably also the paper, the density and the way it folds and the, you know, the... The riggedness, I'm not sure if that's a word, but how strong the paper is. Yeah. My mom, she always has a saying, and uh, that's, uh, if you lock up the house really well, and people still steal your stuff, then they kind of deserve it. So, hats off to anybody successfully pirating a Labo kit. And also, I think, by the way, um, part of the kit is also digitally. So, like, the menu is completely digital. So, you'd have to not only copy the paper and cardboard stuff, you'd also have to copy the video game that comes with it. Somehow. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. One of the immediate discussions was, oh, it's £60, $60 for, for a kit of yeah. just cardboard. I'm like, there's actually a fair amount of materials in that kit. And you get a game cartridge, which people are forgetting. That game cartridge would usually cost £40 anyway. So yeah. if you account for that, you're, not, you're paying kind of what you'd expect for the materials on top. Uh, well, for material-wise, cardboard is, is very affordable. Um, but what you're paying for is, like you said, a video game, just like you would buy SingStar or Guitar Hero. You now buy a, you know, a video game plus an amazing do-it-yourself peripheral. Um, but what you're paying for is the guy or the girl or the person that designed this kit and probably took weeks or maybe months to assemble this and research this kit because when uh, like once you're done designing you arrive at the easy part but the, the, by far the hardest part is designing papercraft production is easy in comparison and um, it's kind of like building a video game I guess you know mm. you just work on it for weeks and months you shave off and you or you reiterate uh, you found things that are wrong with it then you you know improve it slowly you know, there's a few things in that, what I saw in the trailer, like a, fi- a fishing hook or a fishing rod that just looked amazing. And I, I can't, my mind cannot even put that thing together. I can't even imagine how would that would work. Oh, yeah. Some of it's very complex. Um, yeah. The robot one, for example. Yeah. I am not saying this with any assurance because I do not have the specific <laughs> details of how this works. But from what I can tell, the way that that works... Because basically, you, you you build a big robot suit for a kid you know, yeah. and wear it. <laughs> you wear this cardboard robot suit. Yeah. And the game that you get can sort of track your movements to some degree. And the way in which I think that works yeah. is that you put a Joy-Con in like a cardboard backpack. Mm-hmm. And I believe you're either holding the other or maybe they're in a slot on your feet. I couldn't really work out how many Joy-Con is needed for that. Two. But um, also there's like strings going from the backpack to your feet and yeah. the backpack to your hands that are different coloured. And I think, now this is just me guessing, it, it, maybe it's a lot more simple than this, but I think the way it works is that the, the oh my goodness, what is it called? The sensor in the Joy-Con. Yeah. It has a camera, but it's it's not a you know, like a proper camera. But I think it's able to detect the strings, see the colour of them, and be able to judge its position based on where, where itself is. It's very... I don't know. That, that is literally just me guessing. But um, from what I hear, the way in which they work are actually quite incredible. For example, another cardboard toy in the variety kit is an RC car. Yeah. You, know, you build a little 
out of cardboard, you build a little RC car thing, you put the two Joy-Con on it, and it uses the vibration feature for you to be able to drive it around. And you can drive it around, you know, you use your Switch to control it, and you drive it around. And that's yeah. your Joy-Con doing that. It's super fun to think about it and to just uh, speculate on how these things work just from a few pictures. It's kind of nice to do. It's it's mm. fun. It is, yeah. I haven't got um, got my hands on it myself yet. Um, it seems that there were some journalists that, before it was announced, had actually already played with it. Yeah. That's new to me. I I don't even know any other journalists that did that. When that was announced, that was totally new to me. It wasn't something I was aware of beforehand. Um, and unfortunately, didn't get the option to do that. Um there are going to be some trials that they're running. I know there's one in London where families can go along and give it a go, which I think is really important so that people get a grip of what it's like. Unfortunately, if anyone listening wants to do that, um, you have to have a kid with you. <laughs> they don't let you. They don't let you sign up unless you have a kid with you. Um, I tried. Um, <laughs> they do seem to be aimed at uh, at kids, although I think oh, a lot absolutely. of adults will be very interested. Just like with Lego, I mean, who's it really for? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's definitely targeted at kids, um, yeah. which a lot of entitled gamers on the internet seem to be angry about because they're idiots. Oh, wow. Those same people, I bet you they're still going to buy them. All the adults are going to pre-order it and it's going to sell out and the kids won't even be able to get it because all the grumpy adults have bought it. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure how this will sell, but I'm never sure with anything Nintendo does because I'm not a good analyst, but Nintendo always seems to do things just because they like to do them. Oh, yeah. I mean, a lot of these things are very hard to kind of imagine in your head. Like, when you mm. announced the Switch, it was like, it was a thing in a screen, and there's two buttons, two controllers beside it. You can take them apart. You can just click them together. And and I was just thinking, like, what is this exactly? What is it? What is it? And it's not really as tangible as, say, a black plastic slab with a PlayStation logo on it that plays mm. all of your games. And there's just a TV screen. So... I'm still really curious about how, how much this will sell or, you know, will this be a success? But I also think Nintendo just likes doing this. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're in the position where they're able to do this again now. Now that the Switch is successful, they can yeah. experiment. Like, they can afford for this to fail and yeah. it not be a big deal. Whereas they wouldn't have been able to do that for the Wii U. If they pulled a big project like this off for the Wii U and it failed, that would have been catastrophic for them. But the Switch is in a position now which is a lovely position for Nintendo to be in because they're so creative. The Switch is in a position where they can just be like, let's try this. Oh, that didn't work. Meh. I don't know whether this is going to work either, really. I'd like to sit here and say that I think it would. It will feature in both video game specialist stores like Game, and it will also be in toy stores, presumably. Um, Yeah. Really, that might even be the key for Nintendo, is it's more about the toy stores might start stocking the Switch and Switch accessories. They're all about branding. They love just having their name and be seen everywhere. Even if people aren't directly buying that, they're seeing it in a toy store and they exist, you know. That means something to Nintendo. Um, yeah, I don't really realistically know whether um, it will sell or not. But I think because it's... Well, it's there's a few advantages for them with this thing because it's... Um, not per se a video game thing completely. So mm. when Nintendo launches a console, it's like, oh, this thing is sold out. It sucks. Or this thing is not available in my store. This it really sucks. But now I think with this thing, it's kind of new and not completely, you know, put inside a category mm-hmm. that you would go to a store and not find that thing and not be completely offended by it because, you know, Maybe it could be in a bookstore 
or a toy store or electronic store or not at any of them. I'm not sure because it's 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 a lot of things. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I think I think one of the keys to Nintendo Labo that a lot of people haven't really considered is its retail positioning. I think that's a big part of it for Nintendo. The fact that this gives them an opportunity to get the Switch branding, the Switch name, in a lot of retail stores that it would otherwise not appear in. As you say, bookstores might end up stocking it. Toy yeah. stores are going to stock it. You know, places that might not necessarily already stock the Nintendo Switch. That's That in itself makes this worth doing for them. Um, I'm sure this is an experiment for them. Um, I'm yeah. sure they're aware of the risks. They're aware that this might not work. Um, but if it succeeds the benefits way outweigh the risks because, I mean, A, they're in toy stores now. They have a successful toy line if this works, you know, other than Amiibo. Yeah. And they want kids on the platform again. They've realised the Switch is successful, but it's mostly the core audience still. Um, it's not the Wii audience. Like, the casual audience, the kids are, are mostly still not here. It's mostly just the core audience still. Yeah. And they want that. They want that, which is why they're, you know, trying this sort of stuff. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I hadn't considered that. What what I considered was like, how much of a gamble is this for them? Because oh, yeah. as for, you know, for like assembling a kit, not as a consumer, but as a producer, like putting a kit together, mm. a papercraft kit is much simpler than putting together a, a new console because all the parts come out of one factory. So you don't have to buy chips from this factory and cd players from that factory or or you know cable cards you don't have to assemble it and order it from all kinds of companies it all mm. comes out of one place i think production costs are fairly affordable for them yeah i would think for the the problem is just that the kits come packaged with the cartridge still if it yeah. wasn't for that you'd be able to say oh it's you know they're going to have plenty of stock and it's going to be cheap for them to produce and stuff but the, the problem is that the switch proprietary cartridges in themselves are fucking pain uh, they, they cost a lot to make um and oh, because really? of proprietary yeah that, that's that's why nintendo switch games cost more than they do on other platforms oh. um it's just because what the ps4 and the xbox one use are just blu-ray discs they're industry standards so yeah but because this is a proprietary cartridge it just costs more um which has been a problem for indie developers that's why indie devs that want uh that want to be in retail are having to hike the price by like an extra fifteen pounds above what their PS4 and Xbox One counterparts are, but they have to do that because the costs are just higher. Wow. Yeah, but this comes packaged with a cartridge, um, so the production of that is still going to mean eh, who knows? <laughs> but um, it seems like they also want to do replacement pieces. They want to give out replacement um, cardboard pieces because they're aware it's cardboard, like it's going to get wet or it's going to get damaged. Um, yeah. Apparently, they're fairly durable considering they're cardboard, but um, it is cardboard. <laughs> I think there's a coating on it that's a water-resistant coating. A lot of oh, um, oh, really, right? A lot of boxes and um, supermarkets have it as well, because right. they they get shipped outside, so they like from the truck to the shop. Sometimes it rains outside, and it has to not fall apart when it's when that happens. But a, a friend of mine did point out, like, do not get this near your cat. Because they will no. sit in it, and uh, <laughs> there's your um, box. Yeah, there's your big robot suit gone. Yeah, 
it's, it's taken by the cat. It's a, it's a third house for your cat. Yeah, they're going to get ruined and they recognize that. Um, so they want to do replacement pieces. I don't really know the specifics of how that's working yet. I don't know if the replacements are going to be free. If you just pop into a game store and show, look, look at my damaged cardboard. And they no. give you some new. Well, or if it maybe you can buy some, but it's just a couple of quid instead of, you know, having to buy a 60 pound pack again. Um <laughs> I don't really know how that's going to work. My, my assumption would be they're going to charge like eight pound for like replacement packs with the pieces in or something like that. So. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not sure internet has a mail order thing, but it's all it all starts out flat. So I ship my toys completely flat, so it all fits in an envelope. So yeah. theoretically, that is a thing that Nintendo could do, but I'm I'm not sure that they have that kind of specialty or or thing or channel set up. So I'm not really sure. Yeah, that'd be nice, though, because you're right, yeah, yours just came in an envelope. I liked that. I liked that yours just came in an envelope. It didn't, you know, waste room in a big box or anything. It was just, yeah, ooh, there it is. The, that was the biggest um, uh, advantage for me, that you could just ship it relatively affordably to other people yeah. just via an envelope, not a, not mm. in a box or not in a... That's one of the advantages of paper craft sets. Mm. So that's the thing that Nintendo could do. But looking at the Nintendo side now, and there seems to be... Uh, a kid's hand holding a crayon or a marker and they're just coloring a single sheet and uh yeah i'm not sure maybe that's one of those things that you're like well we could do this if it's a massive success then we just do it like a second wave and the second wave will have you know more options differently colored or plugins or plug-ons or stuff like that as well as the two kits so there's the robot kit and the variety kit um, the yeah. robot's obviously the robot suit. The variety kit has, I think, a fishing rod, the RCE car, um, like a little house thing, a couple of the bits and bobs. Um, yeah. They are also selling a thing called the customization set, which a lot of people didn't pick up on. But that's £8, and it comes with a bunch of sticker sheets and, you know, little bits and bobs you have to customize it for. So they're definitely pushing the fact that it's cardboard, guys. You can draw on it, you can stick stickers <laughs> on it, you can yeah. do whatever you want to it, like make it your own. Uh, which is really cool because I imagine we're going to see some awesome like modding communities online of people that are just doing crazy things with them. Yeah, I've been thinking about that. They still have to work because they have to hold the Joy-Con in a specific way and stuff like that. Yeah, it'd be really interesting to see what people do with those. Yeah, there's a Reddit called Reddit Papercraft where people make all kinds of, you know, Gundam, you know, mech suits and very intricate stuff. So I, mm. I guess there's going to be an impulse you know, in uh, creativity, but I just look forward to seeing it on Twitter because I'm not sure if I can, if I will actually work on this or work for this, but um, it's almost like fan art if you think about it, right? Yeah, I'd love for them to open it up. They, they won't because they're Nintendo, but it would be great if they made it open source and allowed people to just, you know, like properly make their own stuff and even sell it online. I mean, they would they are Nintendo, they're strict as, that's never going to happen, but... um. God, it'd be so good yeah. if they did. They seem to be very conservative with, you know, their properties and their IPs. And um, But, you know, on the other hand, everything you need to know about that kit is actually that it, you could you could blueprint it just by looking at it and just retracing the lines, maybe. But, well, yeah. I mean, also the thickness, but maybe they are like, well, let's just do it for this because it's kind of in the open already, you know. Maybe. I mean, your average Joe isn't going to do that, but modders and people like yourself, you know, could definitely pick it apart and make them and stuff. Wasn't there somebody who was... He, he made, I think he made, like, a Final Fantasy suit. Like, a completely... Oh out of paper? Yeah, he was cosplaying 
Final Fantasy. So he was the Final Fantasy character. And I think he had to stop. They made him stop. But I'm not sure. I'm not sure about that. Japanese companies are still a lot more conservative than they are here in the West. And the problem is with Nintendo, unlike a lot of other Japanese publishers, is Nintendo have a tight grip on their regional counterparts. So Nintendo of Europe and Nintendo of America, the amount that they can do without direct permission from the Japanese headquarters is very little. They have to basically pass everything through them. I would say it's their greatest downfall because as free and creative as that company are, that seems so counter to their message. And I think it really holds them back sometimes that they don't just, for example, let Nintendo of Europe and let Nintendo of America kind of do what they want. Um, (laughs) But they don't. I, I, I know you know firsthand that virtually everything has to get passed through head office in japan it's a big company they're so conservative if you look at this stuff like you know that's behind the curtain and in front of the curtain is just now this wonderful playset for your kids to play with and you can put it together and you have like a make-believe fishing rod and it's it looks very free and creative and innocent so they got that going for them i'm excited about it because i think it's a creative and wonderful wonderful idea and that other people will love it it's not necessarily something i'm gonna go crazy for i i don't know yet whether i'll end up buying it if i do it would just be to have i don't really imagine myself running around in a cardboard robot suit all yeah time. they're expensive well I'm not saying expensive but they're they cost about as much as a really neat lego set yeah and it's a considerable amount yeah it's a considerable amount of money to just buy on a whim and be unsure that you're gonna use it yeah. But I think that kids, I can definitely see kids getting into that, you know. Kids like playing with cardboard, to be honest. Yeah. Kids like playing with boxes. They just they just do. And the idea to be able to sit and build it um, is definitely part of the selling point, you know. Otherwise, they just give them to you constructed. The, the whole point is that people like to sit and build these things and they'll sit with their parents. I assume it's going to be maybe a bit too difficult for a child to sit and build them and they're going to need a parent. But they can sit and build this with their parents. Yeah. I mean, it's even called Nintendo Labo, which sounds like Lego. Like, <laughs> yeah. can, you know, they're definitely wanting to push the fact that it's a uh, piece together. Yeah. I wonder where that name comes from. Maybe it is like a Lego wordplay or um, it's a nice short word. Yeah. I just thought it was nice and short. It sounds like Nintendo Lab. So it sounds like, you know, there's crazy yeah. stuff going on and there might be more. But it also has the O at the end, which makes it sound like Lego. Um, I'd be surprised if that wasn't intentional. So if you would buy one of these, would you buy the robot or the variety kit? I'd buy the variety kit, I think. Um, yeah. Because, A, it's for kids. I doubt that robot cardboard yeah. suit is even going to fit on me. <laughs> <laughs> the variety kit, I like that there's, you know, a bunch of, a couple of different bits. And I could, I, I have a room full of video game merchandise in cupboards. Um, in, in cabinets, rather. I could potentially, like, clear a shelf and make a shelf of nice little Nintendo cardboard peripherals. Um, yeah. Potentially. Um, I suspect, and I, you know, I haven't seen what the games that come with these kits are like, personally, yet. I'm thinking that the variety kit game is just going to be a bunch of mini-games that utilise these peripherals. Mostly throwaway games, yeah. probably. Pro- it's probably going to be good, but sort of a one-two-switch kind of thing. Whereas the robot game, the game that comes with the robot game, is based off of an old demo we actually saw at E3 a couple of years back. Oh. Um, oh what was it called? Project Giant Robot was what it was called. <laughs> I like it. I like it. <laughs> it was originally for the Wii U, and I only vaguely remember this because I haven't seen it again since, but I just, just remember that it's based on this. But uh, with the Wii U, you use the gamepad to control a giant robot going through a city and whatnot. 
um, 100%, this robot game is definitely the built version of that prototype. That's definitely where that came from. Um, okay. Except on, you get to move about in a little cardboard robot suit. And I am thinking that game is probably going to be more fully fleshed out than the variety kit game. I could be wrong. It could be crap. Um, for me, I'm just thinking about what the games are actually going to be like. And then yeah, you base my decision on whether to actually buy them on that if you look at like dollars for paper i think variety kit offers more and it's cheaper as well but i'm not sure how big they are i mean the robot kit has a gigantic backpack but for yeah. the same for, for ten dollars less you could have a kit that has a robot a fishing rod a keyboard a mini house and a steering wheel yeah i would you know just because i'm intrigued i would probably pick the variety kit just to check it all out not to pay for the video game, but to, to check it out. Just to open the box and to see all the different things. And uh, I mean, I think for a video game, what you mentioned about like the mini games is kind of what my big question mark with these things. Because the, the cardboard kits, they look amazing. And mm. I wonder how long you can play these games, how long you can enjoy them. I know from experience that the, the Nintendo Wii came with it like a tennis game. And I played that for two nights straight, and it hurt my arm. So the, I got some mileage out of that, but uh, I'm not sure how long or how deep or how lasting those games are. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, I, I don't have any um, knowledge beyond what everyone else has already seen, which is just, just the trailer. You know, I got a generic press release, but I don't have any secret little knowledge. I haven't played it yet. So, yeah, my, my thought is it's just going to be little mini games. But even that's fine if it's like a Wii Sports kind of thing with... Because yeah. this is kind of like the Wii peripherals, really, instead of carbon replacing the plastic. Yeah. You know, you've got, you got your fishing rod for the fishing games, you've got the little car. I can even see, if this does well, I could even see them doing, uh, like, a Nintendo Labo Sports. Like a Wii Sports, but with a Nintendo Lab. And you buy the kit, and it's the tennis racket, and it's the bowling ball. Like, you build them all out of cardboard. I would love to see them do um, table football or foosball, something like that. Yeah. So it's like Super Mario Striker, but like everything is on a barbecue pin. So you kind of move Wario against Donkey Kong and you're actually playing it like it's a table or like a foosball game. That sounds kind of nice. That sounds uh, that sounds interesting. Yeah, there's just so much potential for it. There really honestly is. Um, I really want it to do well just to see what the other kits would be like. Because I imagine they're working on more now. Yeah. But they won't ever release them if this bombs. Um, yeah, I really want to see what else they've got up their sleeves for this. Um, Actually, like when I first saw this announced, it it didn't shock me because it just makes total sense for Nintendo to do this. They always had, and I think it's partly because, yeah. well, they're a toy maker and they started with paper cards and uh, stuff like that. And on the other side, there's just in Japanese culture there seems to be a sort of reference or admiration for crafts and uh, artisans. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, there was like the, there were the Pokemon cards that some of them had clay print ads with, you know, their characters, but then you know, like clay. Yeah. There's uh, Wool Yoshi. Yeah. Pikmin's cover art is clay Pikmin. Yeah. Cover art, yeah. Beautiful, beautiful thing. Um, and then there's like, I think Mario World was even slightly crayon styled or yoshi's world i'm not a video game title expert but <laughs> there was a lot of crayon used in that games like the logo and stuff so i think they always have this admiration for that kind of stuff so this makes perfect sense and when it came out it was just like 
yeah, it figures. It just makes so much sense for them to do something like this. And, and I just feel that they love it themselves. They just love this sort of stuff. And um, it's pretty amazing yeah. that a whole board of directors looks at this keyboard fishing rod or a paper fishing rod and say like, yeah, this is what we're going to do. I think it's kind of cool. I think it's really cool, yeah. As you say, yeah. like it's it's genius. Like I watched that trailer, and anyone that watches that trailer and wasn't somewhat impressed, even if it wasn't you know personally interesting to them. If you're not impressed by yeah. that trailer, you should be because it is impressive stuff. But as you say, at the same time, you're like, of course, like it's so Nintendo, like it's such a Nintendo move, and it just fits in with everything about them. I mean, to the point yeah. that. They even, before they were making video games and they were making toys and whatnot, they made a little cut-out cardboard car. That was one of the toys they made decades ago. Decades oh, really? Before they were making games. Yeah. I saw a picture of it, like, do the round. Oh, I missed that one. They made a little cool cardboard oh. cut-out car for kids to make and stuff. I mean, it just fits in so much with that company. Kind of like a return to form. Yeah, absolutely. And they love that. They love going back to the history and going, what can we do with this? Like, how can we adapt this into the modern age? I mean, that's why the DS happened, because they looked back at their game and watch and went... Hmm. They they love that. They know. Oh, I do love Nintendo <laughs> dearly. Um, yeah. When you look at Sony and Xbox, like spending millions and millions and millions on their VR expensive VR headsets that, frankly, haven't really haven't really blown up. They're great. I love the PSVR, but it's not blown up sales wise. And then Nintendo, like we made cardboard guys. <laughs> it's just like fair play, guys. Like, yeah. If that works out. Fair play. Sometimes they make the rest look a bit silly, but sometimes they look silly as well. But it, that's just, they're, they're not afraid to look silly. No, they're not. They're so unpredictable. Uh, you can kind of predict Sony and Microsoft. If, if you know the industry and how it works, in and out, you can predict what's going to happen. But even the most intelligent, most well-informed video game analysts in the world, it's impossible to predict Nintendo. It really is. And it's impossible to predict how the market's going to react to their stuff. They're just wild. They're just batshit. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's what that's part of the you know why people so many people are fans and why they're such a revered. They're revered. They're you know put, yeah, they're on the pedestal. Yeah, I'm looking at this robot kit now. Just the box art and it looks really cool. And I and I kind of want that robot. I kind of just want the the robot toy. Yeah, so do I. But I have no idea where I'd put it because it is massive. <laughs> yeah, well, not that size, obviously. Also, with Nintendo's robot kit, I'm sort of curious. People are different size. People are not going to all fit the same cardboard cutout size robot backpack. I don't know how yeah. that's going to work. I mean, it must work. It must. It it must work. Yeah, because it's it's the first thing we think about, right? So if it's the first thing that we think about, then somebody who was working on this for months, they must have definitely thought about it, right? Yeah. But it must be like some kind of setting, like I am this tall, and then it's like, oh, before we start gaming, let's just do a few questions. How many limbs do you... Well, maybe they don't ask how many limbs you have, but they should. But how tall are you? And it's like, are you right-handed or left-handed? Or they do like this halo thing, like look into the camera, look up. And then maybe yeah. that's how they figure out how you, you know, move around. And then maybe they just adjust the, the things, to, you know, accordingly. Even more literally than that, I mean, literally managing to get a cardboard backpack on your back. Like it's, it's going to have to be different sizes for different people. I guess it just so. comes a as a pre-cut thing, so I don't know how that's going to work. I think it's light. I'm I'm curious about how light or how heavy this is. It's hard to judge it from, from a distance because some kits can be heavy and some are just very light. I mean, it's the weight of the package plus the weight of the console because there's, I think the, you think the console is going inside of it or is it going to be docked? 
So it's just the Joy-Cons that are going inside the peripherals. Mm. You know, the two side controller, the two Joy-Cons are, are going inside yeah. the cardboard pieces. And then yeah. the Switch is basically being used as your screen. I assume you can dock it and use it. But in the trailer, they are just using it in portable mode. Um, I suppose mm-hmm. it won't particularly matter. Ah, uh, okay, okay, okay. Actually, I say that. It does seem like some of the variety kit pieces, you do put the screen in it, like the house one. But I think yeah. you'd be having it sat down, so it wouldn't really matter too much. So out of all these, what's your favorite? Guessing how the games would be in... It's definitely all the variety kit stuff. So the yeah the fishing rod, I'm just like, that could be used for you know loads of really great little fishing mini games and yeah. maybe even a full game you could use for, with a fishing rod peripheral. The keyboards could be used for rhythm games, music creation software even, potentially. Yeah, I played a lot of... Um... Quark DS10 on the Game Boy, or on yes. the Nintendo DS. It was a great instrumental piece of software. And if they have something like that for, you know, this thing... Well, the Korg is coming to the Nintendo Switch. Oh, really? Yeah. <gasps> because oh. I was thinking of this as well. Um, because the guys that are making Korg for Nintendo Switch, which in case people aren't aware, is a music creation bit of software that was on the 3DS and other platforms and is coming to the Switch now. Um... They announced some more details on it literally yesterday, so the day after Nintendo Labo was announced. Yeah. And I was sitting there like, oh god, guys, like, please make, please make a Labo peripheral. This is a one plus one is two thing. It really should be. Yeah. They're never going to make it open source, but let's hope that Nintendo allow third parties to utilize Labo to even maybe create their own pieces. Developers would jump at the chance to have a go at that if it's successful. I think, and you know, a lot of people said this to me already, and I, and I think this kind of sentiment of open source for this particular thing is because, you know, the medium is cardboard now. So a lot of people think, well, everybody should own cardboard, right? So it's, it feels like this is everybody's... Mm. I mean, cardboard is, is like a common good, while as a console or electronic device, it's more like a magic black box. So there's less yeah. discussion of... Oh, they should make the Switch open source. This, mm. But this stuff, there's a lot of that discourse around it. Or not discourse, but a lot of that talk around it. Because it's cardboard, Yeah, I think. So it's all inside the medium. Yeah, I, oh God, I do. I love it. I, I, I'm saying all this and I'm talking about it for like minutes and minutes and minutes. But And yet I'm still sitting here unsure that I'm actually going to buy it. But it's just, you can't not be excited about Nintendo Labo. Um, it's yeah. just very unique, very creative. I mean, you as a as a toy maker, as specifically one that works with cardboard, you must be so intrigued by it. Yeah, and intimidated. Like I said, there's two sides. And uh, Japanese paper artists and artisans in general, they are very skilled at what they do. And I, I look at these things and like the snippets from you, you see them building it in the trailer and you see them like folding stuff together. I'm just in awe of how that works and how that is, you know, put together. There's that, you know, as an somebody who likes engineering, you know, all seeing all the engineering and just being being able to look behind the curtain of this stuff, because it's it's just you make it yourself at home. It's it's really nice to see. I'm not sure if I'm sixty nine ninety nine dollars intrigued, yeah, but I'm definitely intrigued. It'd be really interesting to see if they end up selling the game digitally on the eShop, and then allow you to just buy the the cardboard pieces separately. Um, oh yeah, because at the moment that doesn't appear to be the plan. I imagine at the moment it's just a cartridge that you have to buy in the kit. Um, 
but who knows? Yeah, they look very cool. Uh, where are they? April 20, 2018. Here in the UK, it's April 27th. So we're getting it like a week later than the US. Aww. It's really close. Yeah, that's why it's amazing. There was nothing that hinted at this. There was no leaks. Um, this is just totally out of nowhere and is ready to go. Presumably it's produced and it's virtually ready to go. Kind of interesting, you know, in, in this day and age to have such a big deal and not have it leaked. Nobody saw this coming. It seems that there were some insiders that were aware of it somehow, but um, didn't leak it. I guess they just didn't want to. If it was too nice a surprise, they didn't leak it. Well, that's um, very nice of them. <laughs> how nice nice yes. little leakers we're saying all this this is like an hour long podcast by the time you've listened to this it might already be out it might have bombed <laughs> it might be great I have no idea I think it's gonna be fine I think it's gonna be I fine I suspect it will be okay um, we'll see we'll see I'm very excited to see what happens with it yeah if I should get this I should get a Switch as well I don't have a Switch yet so oh well, yeah, a... you, might, you might want one of those first yeah because there's ARMS already the ARMS game there's a few games that are really exciting for me already, so... I'm really enjoying the platform, um, to the point that I think a lot of my followers now just think I'm a Nintendo guy, but that's never been the case. I'm sort of an everything guy. But uh, yeah, I'm absolutely loving the Nintendo Switch. I'm absolutely adoring it. There's such a rich library already in its first year. I've never seen a launch year like this for a console. Lots of strong first party games. The eShop is already fantastic. There's so many decent little indie games on there that work really well for a console that's capable of being portable. Um, yeah, it's, it's a, it is already a splendid console, so it's fantastic to see these original creative little projects like Labo coming out, you know, a year after the console came out. It's just, you know, I really hope it does well so that Nintendo push themselves and do even more amazing original things. Yeah, I'm just going back to the trend, to the robot again because I love robots, like design wise. <laughs> um, I'm curious if they're gonna make a uh, amiibo of that thing, or if it's oh gonna my... be in Smash Brothers or something. Oh my god, Labo amiibo, cardboard right? amiibo. Maybe that's well, definitely it, it works, happen. right? It does. That's totally going to happen. That makes sense. I can that see that sense. happening. We need little Labo robot in Smash Bros. Oh, you mean the card, the walking one? That's a, like a cardboard set of a walking robot and you put it... Con- just all the robots. All of them. Just all of them with the big fists. Yeah. I must say, I'm, I'm, I, whenever I play Smash Brothers I'm, uh, or any Smash game, I just after a few minutes, I just get a headache because there's so much happening on the screen. This <laughs> It's just... So much visual information flying at you that it's uh, it's a bit tiring for me. Maybe I'm just getting old. That's fair enough. I, it's kind of one of the few fighting games I've ever been interested in. I'm not I'm not into like deep combo rich uh, fighting games. Never have been. But Smash no. Bros. I absolutely adore. Like I'm I'm really into Smash Bros. Um, I really really want Smash Bros. on the Switch. By the way, Nintendo Nintendo, give me give me all the Labo. <laughs> give me all, right. Give me all the Labo. Give me Smash Bros. Jobs are good and don't tell anyone I told you. Send send me all the stuff, Nintendo. I'm I'm being unprofessional now. Send me everything, Nintendo. Send me all your stuff, Nintendo. Give me Mario. Let me be Mario. I'll be Mario. There you go. That convinced him. Can you even uh, grow a mustache? Like a Mario mustache? Is that a skill? I can't. I don't have any Mario skills. I can't jump high. I can't grow beards. I can't do plumbing. You can wear a red hat. Maybe that's good enough. I can wear a hat. Job's done. Yeah. And I, and I go, woohoo! Yay!
yeah, I think it's a little bit morbid, but I would be really sad if if the the voice actor for Mario would pass away. You know, oh, that's oh my, goodness. I shouldn't jinx it. But I've thought about that as well. Just like I'm gonna be gutted when Charles Martinet dies or when Miyamoto dies. It's gonna be horrible. Yeah. Interesting story. Just to tie this back to what we were talking about before. I had the opportunity to interview Charles Martinet um, about a month ago. Um, he's very rarely in the UK, but he was in the UK doing a press round for Super Mario Odyssey. Actually, it might have been back in October. Jesus, feels like it was only a month ago. But um, I had the opportunity to interview him, had that set up. But what Nintendo wanted from the interview was so specific, and I believe this came from corporate from Japan. This is the problem again. Like, you can't get through to them because everything has to be passed through head office. Head head office, not Nintendo Europe head office. Um... They wanted me to interview Charles Martinet because Super Mario Odyssey was coming out, but I couldn't ask him questions. I couldn't get him to do any of the Mario voices. They said no questions, so everything we spoke about had to be about Super Mario Odyssey. And so I had to film uh, an interview segment with him with just that, and ended up binning it in the end. It ended up not happening. I didn't see him because the content just didn't work for the Mirror, which is unfortunate because the Mirror is so mainstream. It's not a video game focused um, site, so I have to consider that when I'm doing content. And all that would have worked for the mirror was for me to ask him some questions for an article and have him do the voices, and they wouldn't let us do that. So I didn't get to meet him, and I'm still really bummed about it. Ah. Anyway, we should wrap up because we've been talking about Nintendo Labo for almost an hour. Yeah, this has been nice. It's a nice chat. It's been lovely. Before we go, Thomas, tell us a little bit about some of the um, cardboard toys you have and where we can get them. Oh, well, thank you. Um, I have a web shop called toppynoppy.etsy.com where all my products are placed. I have a Thundermore kit, which is inspired on the Thundercats, Thunder Tank, and video game aesthetics. And then there's a Pizza Robot, which is part of a Munchy Bot line. Pizza Robot with a little scooter. He uh, is going to be in retail soon. And my next project will involve cats. So Awesome. Yeah, I think somebody dropped something. Yeah, I heard something smash. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Buy my stuff, smash. <laughs> oh my. I'm going to check that out later. Yeah, good. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, please do go check out Thomas's um, cardboard toys. I have some on my desk at work and they're lovely. Yeah. Uh, so go, go check them out on Etsy and whatnot. Um, and hopefully you know where I am, but at Toad's Anime on Twitter and I have a Patreon and all that jazz. Um, but yeah. It was awesome speaking to you. Um, yes, it was nice. It was very nice. Yeah, I'll have to see what you reckon of Nintendo Labo when it comes out. I'll be bugging you on Twitter. I'm even more excited than I was before this chat. So <laughs> Awesome. Right, thank you for joining us, everyone. Goodbye. Bye. Go woohoo! Yay!